morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Today is Friday, December 11th, and you are listening to Rocket City Lift. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Rocket City Lift. I'm Tara Bulger. And I'm Brett Goodman. We come to you three times a week and bring a bit of a spiritual lift to your day. Before we get started today, let's have a moment of prayer. Let us pray. All-powerful God, increase our strength of will for doing good that Christ may find an eager welcome at his coming. And call us to his side in the kingdom of heaven, where he lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. We're going to read from Mark's Gospel, the first chapter, verses 1 through 8. The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in the prophet Isaiah, See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locust and wild honey. He proclaimed, The one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. Stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. God. All right, Tara, for our fun question. I'm already, I'm still giggling about this. (laughs) For our fun question today, if you could shrink down any animal. Mm Mm-hmm to have and to hold, to put in your pocket, what would it be? Well, first of all, I want to say that any animal when it's small is cute, pretty much, except for reptiles. All reptiles are of the devil. Um, I I believe it's biblical. Yes, totally. Um, But I'm going to say a raccoon. (laughs) Yeah, like a little raccoon with its little hands that look like mine that can hang out in my pocket all day and I can like pull it out. A mini raccoon holding a peanut right now. <laughs> totally. It would be so awesome. Yes. Reba. I would name her Reba and she would be my best friend. What about you? <laughs> um, I already think this animal is hilarious at its normal size. And I think it would be even funnier, shrunk down miniature. But I think it would be fantastic. To have a mini corgi. <laughs> I thought of a corgi too. <laughs> like a tiny, tiny corgi. You could call it a torgi. A torgi. <laughs> Even awesome. shorter legs. <laughs> oh my gosh. The ultimate low rider everyone wants. <laughs> oh man. If only we could make this and market it. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> oh, well, to our scripture, we're talking about John the Baptist. Tara, do you remember your baptism? I do. I was probably about eight, and it was in a 
cold, cold mountain stream in North Carolina. <laughs> and much like everyone's baptism, I don't know how much I understood. Um, but I know that it was done. And I know that no matter what I understood, God understood it. What about hmm. you? Yes, I grew up in a non-denominational church. And so I think the if you grew up in the church and in, in, in that in that area that, you know, the believers baptism, if you were really a good kid, that happened between 10 and 12. You made that decision. That, oh, that was, I was early. <laughs> you were early. You <laughs> were you were even better, Tara. All right? <laughs> I'm glad you realized this. Uh, but I was baptized in a pool uh, of, of one of the church members and the pastor and my father did it, uh, which I think is quite wow, special. Wow, that's awesome. You know, and, and, and I love, I love that story. Um, but this is, this isn't my baptism story, but there are so many friends I've met who, uh, either grew up Catholic or grew up mainline, uh, Protestant and were baptized as a child, even though they're, uh, and then their families just kind of stopped going to church. Uh, mm -hmm. and then they kind of came to the faith in their late twenties or in their thirties or in their forties and, and really started attending. And I love that story of, you know, people, you know, ask them as they're coming back into the church, like, do you want to be baptized? And that's, I've already been claimed by God's grace. Um, mm -hmm. and I think that that is just really, I've, for, it took me a long time as I moved from a non-denominational background to a um, to a reformed view of baptism. Um, and now that I've more fully understood this idea that there's nothing we've done. Of, I grew up thinking that baptism was just what you did after you prayed the prayer so other people knew that you prayed the prayer. Um, uh -huh. But to know that we, the baptism is a physical symbol that we've been touched by God's grace without us doing anything. It's just something yeah. spectacular. And I love it too, in that, you know, my girls don't remember their baptism, but what I would say to them is you don't have to worry about your baptism. That was the work of God. Mm -hmm. You know, quit worrying about your baptism and worry about, you know, the disciplines that keep you open to God's grace as much as you can. Um, yeah, I really like that. There is a, there's a, in my undergrad, there was a Christian worship class I took. And at the beginning of each class, uh, she had a little, uh, bowl of water. And if you wanted to, you could just go and dip your finger in the water and cross yourself as a rem even if you don't remember, remember, uh, the event of your baptism, you can still remember baptism and your yeah. baptism. Mm -hmm. uh, and, I, and I thought that was really special to specifically remember God's grace in, uh, in my life every time we started that class. Yes. And I think that gets us to, this is not in the scripture we read, right? But Jesus's baptism yeah. was not necessarily about Jesus, but it was about the recognition of God's claiming yeah. and God's anointing. Mm -hmm. Helps put it in context, I think. Absolutely. Um, and, and then to our, to our scripture, John the Baptist tells everyone that there is one more powerful than he. Why do you think he has to point that out? Why do you think he does point that out while baptizing? Well, it wouldn't have been unusual at that time to have a lot of false prophets, mm -hmm. to have someone who could promise you righteousness because of something they did. 
mm-hmm. um, to say that, you know, they spoke on behalf of God. And so I think it is so significant that John doesn't make it about him. It's always about Christ. Um, and I think that's really a model for us um, as far as who we were supposed to be personally and also corporately as the church. What do you think about John the Baptist? Yeah, I think it, it definitely, you know, I, like you said, there's, lot, there's lots of people that were baptized and there's lots of people claiming to be a mouthpiece for God. There was lots of people uh, claiming power at that point. Uh, and the, and what has changed, right? Nothing. (laughs) Uh, And so this, as this orients us, this orients, how we care for people, this orients, how we live our lives, this orients, how we worship, and that it is a constant, constant pointing away from ourselves, uh, which is not natural in myself. I love to take credit for the good things that I do. Uh. <laughs> yeah, me too. And I, I once had a friend, uh, I do have a friend and I once heard him say that someone said, you're a really good preacher. And his comment was sometimes, right? I mean, sometimes we are, sometimes we're not. Sometimes I land it the right way. Sometimes I love people the best way. Sometimes I don't. Um, we are in constant, but it is God working through us mm-hmm. that allows all grace. Mm-hmm. It's it it, in that that's a great point of in John the Baptist pointing towards Christ. It's not just um, for humility for himself, but it's a recognition of the source of of that, which is God's grace. Yeah. And I think that I, I know that the majority of actually all the good things in my life, right, are willed by God in some way. Um. But there also, we also have our own will. And so there is an element of we get to participate in that or we get to work for that. Um, But I do think we're very short on recognizing God's hand in who and what we are, Hmm. the best parts of who and what we are. Hmm. Maybe, I don't know. I I don't know. I was trying to think of uh, if there's someone who has consistently shown me that um and I can only think of people who have talked less about themselves and talked more about Christ which is convicting because I talk about myself all the time (laughs) so I'm on the wrong end of that (laughs) you know I had I had someone who was a boss of mine and then everything it it was it's fascinating if he was someone who you could who definitely had pain mm-hmm. from his life he was definitely someone who had who struggled with anger but you can consistently see how the grace of god has transformed him and because of that how he loved other people around him uh was was so evident and he never needed to tell a story about how you know god moved him to this point it was just so evident in how he lived yeah. Yeah, I love too that John the Baptist is just so unapologetically weird. Yeah. I mean, I think about all those people coming out from Judea and Jerusalem. They must have really been searching and hurting to show up to let this really odd looking man dunk them in the scary water. Yeah. Um, and I know that he's described that way because it harkens back to Elijah, but 
the prophets were pretty odd too. Yeah. Um, and that kind of, this is who I am and I am calling you to be more than you can, than you are because of who Christ is. I just love that. It reminds me of, there was, I went on a, I did a spiritual retreat at an Episcopal uh, convent with, with uh-huh. uh, me, two of my guy friends from seminary and all these uh, Episcopal nuns. And um, <laughs> there was a bit of animosity between the director and the nuns. So they didn't love when we first got there, but by the yeah. end of our retreat with them, we had a really nice relationship. They were uh, a convent of John the Baptist. And on our final day, it was the feast day of John the Baptist when he was beheaded, mm-hmm. his, his martyrdom. And they, the day before, at every at every prayer session, at every at every prayer hour, they'd say, "Well, we can't wait for you to join us for the beheading tomorrow." And they would oh crack themselves gosh. up. That is hilarious. Every every meal, every prayer, and it was this recognition of the absurd. Of you know, the in following Christ, there is this recognition of the absurdity, and the. And that road that leads us to laughter because of it. And you know what? That's what we've been called to. And there's such a joy in that. I love it. (laughs) Well, on that, uh, I want to read us a poem by Malcolm Geet. It's a sonnet called St. John the Baptist. Midsummer night and bonfires on the hill burn for the man who makes way for the light. He must increase and I diminish still until his son illuminates my night. So John the Baptist pioneers our path, unfolds the essence of the life of prayer, unlatches the last doorway into faith, and makes one inner space and everywhere. Least of the new and greatest of the old, Orpheus on the threshold with his lyre, He set himself aside and cries, Behold, the one who stands amongst you comes with fire. So keep his fires burning through this night. Beacons and gateways for the child of light. Amen. Amen. Thank you all for joining us. We hope you have a wonderful weekend. We'll see you back on Monday for another spiritual lift. But now... May each of you go out to love and to serve, to be well, to care for yourselves and others, knowing that the grace and love of God is upon you. Amen. Amen.